I'm Whitney Walker, and this is the Women Waken podcast, where I interview guests who are in the field of healing and spiritual work using their unique gifts of the divine feminine. We talk all about these amazing gifts that these particular guests have and how they're bringing them forth in the world. On this episode, I welcome the luminous Luminessa onto the show. Luminessa is a colorful woman with a great many talents, rich experience, and extensive knowledge of the history of the sacred feminine, metaphysical principles, and so much more. She is an ordained minister and priestess, a Kashic record consultant, spiritual life coach, tantra coach, sex educator, healing from trauma, and certified shamanic guide. And she is my very own fairy goddess mother, which is another one of her very unique and magical offerings. She's amazing in so many ways. She's just incredible. So please take a listen, enjoy, and here's my guest. Hello, Luminessa. Hello, dear. Nice to see you or hear you. (laughs) Both. So wonderful to see and hear you. I wish the audience could see you because you look so radiant and beautiful in this outfit that just sparkles, just like you. Thank you so much. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you on the show. Luminessa, we met a few months ago through the Queen's Tea with Jessica Hadari. And I feel so grateful to have been introduced to you because I've gotten to know about you and the incredible talented, gifted woman that you are and the amazing work that you do. And I can't wait for you to talk all about those things. Well, thank you so much for the option, for the opportunity to share some of who I am, what I'm about and ways in which I can be of service to the community at large. Absolutely. So Luminessa, based on your credentials at your basics, you are an ordained priestess, a spiritual counselor and guide, prayer therapist, Akashic counseling, and heart and soul mentor. You're you're a lot of things. Yes. I mean, the names and roles that we play. So the roles that I have played and I think will continue to play at whatever level they manifest. My basic training has been through my spirituality my whole entire life since my mid-20s. I would have to say after graduating college. I was in this amazing program called the Living Love Center with 10 Keys. And it was a training. He wrote a book called The Handbook to Higher Consciousness, which literally changed my life. And as a result, I moved up to Berkeley, enrolled and he got enrolled to be a student for three months in this intensive program that was my first taste of meeting East meets West. My background had been in yoga and spirituality, the Eastern philosophy. And then I immersed myself in a sort of a cauldron with uh, 21 other people for three, for three months, 24-7 in uh, therapy and uh, just really clearing our stuff. And I worked intensively with my, on my mother and me. So my background started there. And also started with what I call the teaching of the inner Christ, which came later, which was the soul, my real true spiritual family. Our teachings were metaphysical. They were based also in in what's called new thought metaphysics, which is science of mind, religious science, unity church. So I studied all of that. Um, I trained for 13 years. I I was a part of this community for 13 years. I was out of this community. I got my spiritual foundation. I learned 
It was when channeling wasn't a famous word. Before Shirley MacLaine, before all of that became a big deal, I learned how to channel really safely. I worked with the Ascended Master teachings. I worked with um, meditation, uh, new thought metaphysics. Um, I became what's called the prayer therapist in that program. And if anybody's familiar with the science of mind and their structure, they have what's called prayer therapists. Um, it becomes, it's prayer being, they call it that just as the real site here. Prayer is not something we just, we don't, we're taught in many religions like prayer, please God help me. But this, not, this is not this kind of prayer. It's active prayer. It's where you align your mind with the quantum field and you speak from the I knowing. Like, I know that this is so. And I did this work. I trained. I had to work with real people and create, uh, you know, I guess you would say manifestations through these prayers. And it's a real training of consciousness. So I was a leader, a teacher, a minister, a spiritual guide. I did this for 13 years. And then suddenly, out of the blue, really out of the blue, there was a change in the organization and I didn't align with the new person. And really, really, you would think stupid incident, whereas I forgot to renew my license to be a minister in the state of California and she was making me do all these weird things and I quit. And in walks the goddess. So I went from there into the journey of the dark goddess and the goddess itself. And this was in the 80s. So in the 80s, this was the first, uh, I would say the very first, the second, the first wave was the women's liberation movement. The second wave was the goddess movement, the revival, the connection with God is a woman. And in the 80s, mid 80s, 1985 and 1983, 82, all in those area, books were being written there with the first women anthropologists were finally speaking up. The women educators were finally talking. Jean Shinola Boland wrote her Goddesses in Every Women book. Um, all of these amazing women scholars were saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, you guys. I believe that there's a feminine principle here. And it's all over the world. Yonis were found everywhere. Yonis were on cave walls. You know, big goddesses, the goddess of Wollendorf with the big belly, all of that. So this became my world for many, many moons and months. And because I lived in Berkeley, I was in the heyday still. Berkeley was still the Berkeley we used to remember. Berkeley was, I lived, uh, I lived really close to Berkeley University, like a block away. I was right in the hub. So I could walk across the campus and go to Telegraph Avenue and all the amazing bookstores were still there, you know, and I could sit for hours in Shambhala books. And I just, every day, I just read books on the goddess, on witchcraft, on Wicca. And this is like Starhawk was just beginning. This is when she wrote her first one book, you know? Mm -hmm. So imagine it was like, oh, I was literally in heaven you know, reading, research. I love research. So I love doing all that stuff. It was just so great. So then the goddess became part of my life. And after studying and reading and learning, I thought I could teach something on this. <laughs> Being brazen, you know, back then I didn't think I needed a degree to do anything. So being brazen, I just got my women friends together and said, I'm offering a goddess workshop. And they all went, what's that? <laughs> And I said, well, you'll find out, come. So I had a beautiful house in Tiburon that I could, I, I got and I had like 10 or 12 women, my best friends come show up and we did a weekend. 
And that's how I proceeded. You know, I just kind of learned and everything I learned, I figured I know that much more than everybody else does. I could teach that much more than everybody else could. So the goddess became part of my life. And in that, I got into sexuality because um, I was wounded myself. I had uh, sexual molestation. My father, I didn't know any of this up until my 30s. Um, I didn't know that I was sexually abused or any of that, but I was, there was, there were behavior things, you know? So when I entered into the sexuality world, I started to explore working in sex work, not because I wanted to be a sexual worker, but because it was like, uh, I was on unemployment. I was studying the goddess and suddenly I got involved with a very sex positive community. And from that, I learned about phone sex. And I'll tell you back then there was no phone sex. This was the very first again, First 900 number ever. It was like a revelation to society that people could do this. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, this would be an easy way to make some money. (laughs) I swear, I swear to you, within weeks of deciding that I wanted to do phone sex, I got exactly the company I thought would be the best fit for me. I got, I did this ridiculous interview over the phone and I was doing phone sex on the phone from my house whenever I wanted to, to pick up a couple of extra hundred bucks, you know? And uh, it was a life learning about men's sexuality, about fantasy. I mean, you think what, who would do that? Anybody would do this because it's really like you're becoming a sexual educator from the other side. So I did that. You get burned out pretty fast on that kind of work. I only did it for six months, moved on. And uh, the doors opened for me to start studying Tantra. And I started to work for a local Tantra teacher and start to be like her office manager and coordinate her Tantra workshops. And I did that for two years. And from that, I got this very, um, again, this was in the early days of when Tantra was just brand new in the United States. It was all coming from Rajneesh or Osho, who was a major guru back then. It was coming from teachers who had been trained by him or had been trained in some other mile, but these were at the beginning levels. You understand this was all new. And so it was all hitting the Bay area in a big way. We had a lot of teachers coming to the Bay area and I, um, got a very eclectic overview teaching. So I studied within those two years, I was introduced to not only Eastern forms of Tantra, which Tantra again means to weave together. So we know we have Tantra as Buddhist Tantra, right? That's the spiritual, it's a spiritual practice. But the kind of Tantra that came to the West was called Neo-Tantra. It was Westernized Tantra. So it wasn't the strict practices done in the Eastern beliefs or philosophies. It was borrowed stuff. And, but it was about sacred sexuality or making our sexuality sacred within the context of our own way of living life in the West. So that was a whole education major. It changed my whole way of relating to men. And in the context of this very small community of people that I was a part of, um, we would do rituals and ceremony together. And in one of them, the memories of incest came up out of my unconscious and it was a revelation. So I started to do healing through a tantric pathway. That was the initial way of doing it. And then later on, after all of that, I'll just, I'm moving through these quickly just to give you the overview because that shows you that there was the spiritual, then there was the sexual and the goddess, and then there was the tantra. 
what was your evolution? It was your evolutionary process. Through and the- from, yeah, through all of that. And then I went into medicine work. So in the 90s, I, I started to do a medicine journey and I worked with a group, very contain, a very therapeutic container with a woman who was a friend of mine who became a therapist. And we did journeying and medicine work five years. I did journey work and medicine work with a group of, in a community that helped me to heal a lot of stuff through the journey work. And it was mostly with um, psilocybin, although we did other medicines as well. And it was done all in a container of therapy. So we did it in a very therapeutic way. Um, And then I trained to be a medicine journey guide with that group. I was with a group of therapists and I went through a year-long training of how to be a guide and how to do all of that. And did some of that, you know, I did do some of that. So that was a whole other evolution <laughs> in that self. And then I went back into sex work. <laughs> so the, the weaving was always that. I think people who are often have sexual abuse issues, you'll find a lot of people in sex work who have gone from that, you know, have that to heal within themselves. Well, what are your thoughts about, about sex work? Do you feel that it can genuinely be a, a healing and positive experience for women? Or yes. do you think that it's often um, can be harmful to them? It's both. It really depends on the individual. I know many, many women who have done a lot of healing work on their sexuality because of it. And I, again, went into it, not because I said, oh, I want to be a sensual massage therapist. <laughs> no, 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 no. It wasn't my dream in life. <laughs> it just happened to be at a point in my life where I didn't really have anything. I was done working for other people and I wanted to start working for myself. I got a degree as a massage therapist and I decided that I wasn't really in love with massage. It wasn't like I love doing massage. It was just like a thing to get, you know, to have in your little repertoire. Mm-hmm. And um, it, a door opened for someone who was selling their practice here in Marin when I moved to Marin. And uh, I sort of jumped in. But, you know, when I did it, I really knew it was an initiation for me. It was a healing. I did it to heal the wound that I had about selling, about women selling their bodies for sex and survival. Now, this is a part of my work with women. The core wound, the core wound on the planet for women was and has been that women were the cause of all evil and that, you know, being a woman. And even though it sounds like a myth and it sounds like a good story, it was an actual propaganda. It was just like driven in. And I could tell you, I studied how it happened and where it happened and how did we get here. I did all this research for many because mm-hmm. I, I I just had to find out well why did we why are we the where we are today and how did that happen so the core end of that is that when you do sexual healing work sometimes you go in for the money because it really does grab you because <laughs> it's you know easy to charge three hundred dollars an hour mm-hmm. sometimes you do it um, because the door opens and you think why not I'll just give it a whirl and then out of that comes amazing healing. For me, it was a eight, almost an 18-year journey. And I did it partly because of the money and partly because I didn't know what else I wanted to do and I was afraid to do other things. But I think the truth was I had to come full circle to heal myself within that. So I had to learn how to be powerful as a woman, how to value this and not feel I had to sell out for money, which is a real, which has been, you know, part of the core thing around women is that women sell themselves for money, whether it's through marriage, you know, we sell ourselves 
we, we, we make an exchange. We say, I'll give you sex if you provide for me. And that's been a basic tenet of, for over 2,000 years. You know, it wasn't always that way, but it has been at least maybe 2,500 years, maybe 3,000 years. So because of all of that, I had to heal a lot of that because that probably was many lifetimes I'd done that, you know? And I knew in this lifetime, I was not here to do that again. I wasn't going to be selling my body for sex. That was not going to happen. And it just didn't feel in alignment in this life. So that was a whole huge education healing journey for me. And, you know, during that time, I was still doing a lot of other things to help heal myself, to do spiritual work. I mean, I never, I do all of it all at the same time. It's not like I stop one and then go into another. Mostly it was sort of simultaneous in many ways. And um, I started to write the work that I started to do with women started to come through in the 90s. I'd been given, um, just as a backtrack really quick, in the 80s, I'd been given this mystical experience. And out of that, I became the legacy holder of a lineage, a priestess trained, a priestess lineage called the Priestess of the Flame. And my name, uh, Anjara, the last name, Anjara, was, that was her name when I was in the temples of Isis. It was the Priestess of the Flame, Anjara. So Luminessa came later and then I merged them together because Luminessa felt like the modern, new future, me. And the Anjara was taking that traditional, some of the ancient stuff, you know, merging them together, the new and the old. And so when this vision happened and I accepted this lineage, it propelled me into doing this goddess work and doing this work around uh, the new feminine mystique, the new feminine rising, which is, has evolved into. But then it was called the School of Women's Mysteries. And I taught really about sexuality for women. That was my main thrust. It was really a helping women to heal the wounds between women and women, sisterhood, mm. and um, to offer positive sexual uh, reprogramming and also how to love our yonis and feel connected. We did many really amazing, powerful processes. I will say out of every workshop I did, the women who left that workshop with me, and I usually partnered with another woman when we did these trainings, they were transformed in relationship to how they viewed their bodies and their sex. Mm. Not one of them left without feeling that something shifted for them in a positive way. And that was the thrust. It was like all that healing I had done as a, as a sensual massage therapist, all of that work was always about how women don't have to survive through sex anymore. That sex can be sacred now. That's an important shift. That's a major shift. Yeah. So I was learning it as I was trying to teach it. <laughs> as we often do. So that was a really uh, major for me. And of course, in all of that, I was clearing the wound, many wounds, my own wounds, the wounds about my wounds of my father, the wounds of my mother, and especially around sexuality and my own limitation. You know, I, I, it took me a while to feel I could be intimate with a man for years as a young woman. I could have sex with everybody and anybody. But when it came to intimacy, I'll tell you, the lovers I had were out the door the next morning. I didn't even want to see them anymore. <laughs> it was like, be gone. <laughs> I didn't want to get close emotionally. So it took me, yeah, I spent years working on all this stuff. Yeah. 
years on having to have an open heart, Tantra really helped me to open the heart and connect with the heart. It connected my yoni with my heart. Wow. Yeah. That's a big concept that I don't think many women understand. It's, it's, it's a strong disconnect, I think, still that women have with their sex and their heart. I think it's more now. I mean, I think there, that there was a point where I think it was getting less, but I think the younger generations, because of technology, because of the availability of pornography, because of the fact that there's no real good sex education in very few schools, because it's still repressed and kids don't know where to look for sex ed. They don't even know where to turn. They look for it. They see porn everywhere. I mean, I was shocked when I Google. And I would get everything, anything. Yeah. I was shocked. At all. Anyone shocked. <laughs> shocked. So that wasn't available back yeah. in the 90s. That was not there in the 90s. Before the internet, that did not exist. So that changes. Yeah. And I think young women today are very confused most, most often. And there's mixed messages about love and sex. You know, they, a lot of people come from broken homes. A lot of people come from marriages that didn't last and maybe they don't have good images of romantic love and they don't have images of what real healthy relationships are. There's a lot of wonderful trainings and workshops we can do to help ourselves with that. But, you know, you have to be in a place to want to do that. And again, I teach sacred sexuality. I don't just teach about, I think it's good to know, understand physiology and incorporate that. But I also teach about the element of the spirit and the goddess is just an idea of honoring ourselves as women. That's really all that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you break it down, it's not so much about what you look like or what you dress like. It's more about how do you feel about yourself? Do you feel like you're a queen? Do you feel like you're um, truly worthy of being honored by somebody? I mean, sometimes in a Tantra puja, which was a little ceremony, one of the most powerful ones. Oh my God, I can see it now. The music is playing, we're in a circle and it's usually men, women. And there's a beautiful man standing in front of me, oh, kneeling in front of me down on his knees and looking up at me with the adoration of the masculine, looking up and saying, oh, divine, beautiful goddess, thank you so much. Oh, what honoring. Every woman should feel that way. Mm. Every woman should know that she's honored, whether it be by another woman or by a man. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a powerful, powerful, I think, ex- external experience. Do you feel that you eventually came to have that connection between your yoni and your heart, that ability to, because you said you struggled for so long with true intimacy. When do you feel that you were able to open that corridor, have that connection? It was... It was over time, I think, studying Tantra and then having men in my life that were tantrically trained mm. helped me quite a bit. I have to say for me as a woman that Tantra ruined me to be with any man, at least on a sexual level, unless he was trained. Mm. I would not be a lover with anybody. I would either have to train them, in which case I'd like to be paid, or they would have to come to me and we could equally train each other or meet each other. I would not be with a man who was not because the art of love, again, Western culture does not teach any of this and all Western cultures do not, but lovemaking is an art. 
just like cooking is an art, just like flower is an art. Did you know there's like, I don't know, 75 arts of Tantra and lovemaking is just one out of all of them. But if we just took the time to study how to please each other sexually and understand a woman's body and a man's body, wow, what a difference that would make. I mean, there's still, unfortunately, as a sex educator, there's so much ignorance still around all of these subjects in 2021. Unfortunately, it's still not that much growth in many areas. I taught for four years with another wonderful teacher, um, Somatic Healing Institute. We created and we taught trainings for sexual healers and massage therapists and psychotherapists and anybody who wanted to take our training, men and women. We taught all of these things and we taught how to heal somatically from trauma. So imagine, you know, in that context, there's just so much wounding still. You know, so much ignorance. So anyways, yeah. So the yoni in the heart, Tantra helped me the most to connect. It just, I swear to you, it changed everything. I went from disconnect, push you away. And I was really scared of men. The wound was, I was afraid that all, see, I had that wound in me that men wanted something from me. So I think a lot of men have that feeling. Yeah, it was always like, even with a client, I'd feel a little scared. And I'd see a man, and I knew he was a wonderful guy, and we have a client. And I'd always feel like he wants something from me, like he wants me sexually. He wants something. And that took a while to clear. A while. Because that prevents intimacy and authenticity. Yeah. You know? If I could have said to him, you know, I'm feeling scared right now. I'm afraid that you, I'm, I'm not feeling safe with you right now. That would have made a big difference. Wow. Well, Luminessa, thank you so much for speaking to this and for the work that you do around this because it is so important and also very common for women to feel this way and to have had these experiences for generations, right? We know that it goes deep. We know that it goes, gen- it's, it's down into our DNA. Women have this fear because it's been hundreds of years, thousands of years that we've been treated this way. We've developed this fear of intimacy, of trust, and it's time for it to be restored. Yeah. And I think that the new generations of young women that I love to get to be the fairy goddess mother of, you know, it's really to, if I could say anything to the new generations, it would be to first learn to totally love and support and trust yourself and honor who you are as a woman reconnect with your body, love who you are and what the way you look right now. And there's a lot, there is a lot of wonderful, wonderful work being done right now with young women. There's lots of work that is being offered to help heal those wounds of always comparing ourselves to to women and other women, the physical and looking at models and thinking that they're it and looking at body types and saying, oh, I don't look like that. Therefore I'm ugly or whatever. And that affects our sexuality. That affects how we see ourselves. I mean, I think that it's so important right now to take the time first off to learn how to really be, you know, so self-loving and self-nurturing and self-caring and approving. And if you give yourself that, everybody else will give it to you too, because it mirrors back. Your vibration is the mirror. If you don't, I, I can tell you from absolute experience that when I thought I was fat with a man, he would say to me, you know, you're a little fat. 
<laughs> and when I thought I was like totally gorgeous, I would just get, God, you're so hot and sexy. <laughs> had nothing to do because you know like was the same weight I didn't lose any weight it was all up here yeah had nothing to do with the physical it has to do with how I look well it's all the unseen it's what we give off is what people will sense of us and that's how they're gonna give back to us is what we are presenting exactly and until yeah. that cycle we keep having the same experience so I, I would love to think that things are beginning to shift and they are yet right now it just feels very intense because as you spoke of, there's so much comparison. Comparison is an epidemic. You know, I think that especially for women, the last thing we feel capable of too often is accepting and loving and adoring ourselves and saying, I am amazing and fantastic and gorgeous just as I am. There's way too often it's, oh, but look at, I'm, not, I'm nothing compared to them and I, I don't get attention like her and I don't get this and that. And so, and the, the other part to that is that it keeps us sort of competing with one another when what we need right now more than anything is women to come together and work together and support one another and raise each other up. But we're so, so many of us are caught up in this cycle of competition and comparison that we're doing ourselves a disservice. And so I, from this, I would like to then segue right into how this can be the shift for today and the work that is happening today and what I feel, um, I think this conversation will go into the next level of that. So Beautiful. I just got the inspiration as you were talking that what I think is important to understand as we're going, we're in a shift right now as a world. Some people don't understand what that's about. And the majority of people, you know, there's over 8 billion, 9 billion people. I mean, those of us who are not in survival all the time and living in a third world country where we're just trying to feed our kids mm. and stay alive, have the luxury of ruminating um, and doing, you know, some of the thinking about what does this shift mean? I'm a part of the generation the last of the baby boomers. <laughs> and I'm a part of the generation that's here to, that's been anchoring the new frequency on earth for oh, well over 40 years. All the self-growth work that I've committed my life to, that was my MO. When I got born, somewhere the MO was self-growth, spiritual awakening, self-growth, spiritual awakening. So that was my whole life. My career was secondary I never focused. I mean, I went to college. I did all that, but I never did like some people do in their 20s. They go out and they make their career and they build. I was working on my spiritual stuff. That was my whole life. So that me and many others like me from the earlier generations, the hippie movement and then beyond was the new age movement. And before it became new age and very clean, it was actually a really amazing movement. It was the harmonic convergence. It was the shift in the ages. It was the new frequencies coming onto the planet. People forget that we live in an organic life planet. Gaia is a real living being. Gaia isn't just a dead piece of earth. Gaia is living. And that concept came in with a harmonic convergence back in the 80s. So that is who we're on. This planet evolves geologically. Like all planets, we're a planet just like the sun's, you know, sends a star and then we have a star over here. We have Venus as a planet. They all evolve. We forget that ice ages came and went. Floods happened and didn't. Civilizations were completely wiped out and then rebirthed. All because we live on an organic planet. 
And that stuff happens. So we're at this crux at the end of a 25,000-year-old cycle, which they call the Kali Yuga. This is the Vedic. Uh, when you study, if you go into anything to do with the Vedas and some of the East Indian uh, philosophies, you'll study, um, they have different ages on the astrological. They're called like the ages of the times. And the age that we're now coming through is like 25,000 years. And at the end of that, there's a golden age. So at the tail end, the Kali Yuga is the end of corruption, the end of repression. The end, it's, it's, um, it's the end of everything that no longer supports. So either we make it through that doorway, right? And we create this golden age or we have that golden age, which is all of us living from our higher self, our higher nature, living in a world that is, imagine it, it would be bliss for all of us. And I don't mean bliss like you're all walking around in clouds. I mean, a world that really works for people, you know, where, there, where we don't have to pay money for things anymore, where we live to give our gifts where it's more barter and trade or some other way. And technology is a part of that, but it's used for the benefit of humankind, not for the de destruction of humankind. So we're moving into this and we're right in the segue transition. There are many other forces and things that interfere. And part of the thing that we are here to do is to connect with our soul and what we call the higher self. Okay. And that higher self really does live like, you know, eight feet out above you or longer. And it's really a vibration of, it's like you knowing exactly who you are. It's like if you knew that you could instantaneously manifest something out of thin air, that would be your higher self knowing that, you know, you would know that from that vibration. So we're in the segue, we're in this transition and transitions can take years. The old world, this is my understanding, the old world is dying away. And in that, the dinosaurs, you know, the dinosaurs flail, the tail goes back and forth. <laughs> and they, they try to survive. They just try to survive. And it may look pretty dark, pretty nasty, and some pretty weird shit happening, right? But that's part of the process of the old dying. And the old has to die in order for the new to thrive. So I'm a way shower. I'm an anchor. There are many other younger generations that came on, crystal children, rainbow children, um, the original uh, children that were psychic, you know, that came on. These are generations that come in with a new biology even, and new brain hookup. Those kids that are really good with technology, computers, um, they come in. And they're also here to rebuild. Now, they'll either go one way or the other, right? They'll either go toward creating a new world or they'll go toward AI or whatever else. But the truth is, we're in this big place. It's huge. And it's been foretold. Every culture has gone through this. You could study and read every, every sacred text. Well, mention 25,000-year cycles. This is what happens. And so humanity's at the end and at the beginning simultaneously, you know, and in that is a lot of stuff happening right now. So when we step into this new world, I'm here to say ascension is a part. Ascension doesn't mean like in the past, ascension meant 
when it was taught back like, you know, 20 years ago, Ascension was talking about how you leave the planet, you get in a light body, you eat the right foods, you do all the right rituals, you do the prayers, you do all of that, you meditate, and then you you take your body with you and you go off planet. You literally take your body with you. You don't die and leave the body, you take it with you. Or maybe like with Jesus, he ascended, but he did, and then he came back in a body ready and he took it with them. So today, that's not what we're doing. <laughs> today, ascension is really about descension. We're descending into the body. So our higher self is becoming us, becoming you, becoming me. I've never heard of lo- never. Okay. So descension is, is like we elevate, we move into higher frequencies, our vibration goes into love. When I say higher vibration, I mean we start to work on the emotionality. And so my frequency now, I often feel joy just for being. My heart feels this burst of joy. I'm happy. And it's not because I did anything or that my life changed or I made more money or I got a better job. It's because it's my birthright to feel joy. It's my birthright to have an easy life. It's my birthright. This is the ascension consciousness. It's our birthright to be happy. It's our birthright just to have those things. We don't have to earn them. We don't have to work hard for them. That's our natural birthday. That's what we're reclaiming right now. For those of us who are waking up, that's what waking up's about. It's by saying, wait a minute. Wow, I deserve to be happy just for being here. I deserve to have a good life just for being here. It's not okay to suffer anymore like that. It's not okay to struggle. I don't have to struggle. I don't have to work really hard. I can just have a life in the flow that life support me. That's the feminine. The feminine rising is healing all of that old stuff. I don't believe that we can change things by the old methods, which is, you know, politically. And I think that's done. I think the only way this is changing is with creating a new world with new frequencies, new possibilities of being as us. So it's all about us, the individual waking up to our true nature, which is that higher self and also the fact that we are the quantum field. We're, we're in the quantum field. The quantum field responds to everything. It's an intelligence. It's a conscious intelligence. So when I think it's impartial. So if I say to you, oh, I feel really shitty today, the quantum field goes, you feel really shitty today and it gives you shitty today. <laughs> if you go, wow, what a great day. I feel great. The quantum field goes, yeah, what a great day. I feel great. That's how simple it is. So we create it all. And I think the message that I feel so important to pass on is the most important thing is to start owning and being sovereign in our own power and reclaiming that we have the self-authority to make the decisions that we're not going to abdicate because it feels safer. We're not going to go along just because someone suggests something to us. We're going to stand strong and listen to our heart. There's already all this research being done by HeartMath Institute for many years that connects that the brain is here in the heart. And there's just as many brain cells in the heart. In fact, more in the heart than there is in the brain. And that the brain is the first heart. I mean, the heart is the first brain and the brain is the second. Okay, so the heart makes the decision and then the brain follows. And that's where I say we're learning to do that. When we talk about living as new 
beings, we're learning to retrain ourselves, right? Ascension is the descension and the waking up to who we truly can be as humans. You know, you see all these science fiction things, and I've studied also a lot about extraterrestrial beings, and I don't even want to call them that. I call them, I call them like, you know, um, sisters and brothers of other planets because they are in my they're star seeds like me, you know, we're all connected as a family. But when you, you know, we've been watching a lot of sci-fi and stuff like that, you know, I always like have this opportunity. I always go, wow, that's possible. Why not? To think that we're the only ones around is so arrogant. Yeah. Right? So we have the capability to be these superhuman beings. I mean, we are that. We have the, our brain isn't even used more than 10% or less. That's a hundred. We have a hundred percent and we're using five or 10% of it. Imagine if we just use 20% of it. Then all these things that we think are not capable, we could be telepathic. We could do precipitation. We could do a lot of the things that we think are weird or strange or psychic. No, 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 no. That's normal. That's natural. So that's why I say that. Go ahead. I've been talking here. Go ahead. I'm on a roll. I'm on a roll. What a no, what a gorgeous synopsis of everything that our current spiritual and cosmic situation is right now. And thank you for breaking it down and rolling it out for us. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's it's just like it I find that it's so important for people to hear the message over and over again until they really get it, if if they're ready to hear it, that we all have a choice every single moment. What we choose makes a difference. Mm -hmm. If you choose one thing, it affects thousands of people. When everybody chooses one way and they're against another, that makes a difference in the world. So the more that we can relax and trust and start to look inside and go start to question, ask questions, be curious. I'm training how to be curious. That's a big thing, how to be curious, you know? Rather than judging someone because they're different, be curious. Mm-hmm. ask them why discover curiosity is wonderful you will learn new things about everyone if you're curious and then you can stay neutral right just because someone's different doesn't mean that they're wrong they're just different you know so i think we're it's important in the ascension process the earth is already ascending the earth planet earth as an organic being is already on the ride to her evolution. Her, all planets evolve. We go into different densities. We're a 3D planet. You've heard the word 3D. 3D is the third dimension. There are like 12 dimensions or more. There are other planets that are on different dimensions. We're at a lower dimension, a lower, we're denser. We're just a denser planet, right? That's why we have to do so much stuff in the physical to make it actually happen right? But as we're in the fourth, the fourth dimension is a bridge between the fifth and the fifth dimension is where when you think of something, it demonstrates. The fifth dimension is where we live in love all the time, that there isn't any, uh, when you're in a 5D consciousness, you're like Jesus or Buddha or, uh, or beyond, you know, you're living in a state of peace, equilibrium, joyful love, service, and manifestation is easy when you're in those states. (laughs) So that's the difference. So we're shifting 
into this 5D vibration and a density that's higher and lighter on an earth level as well as personally, collectively. Because everybody on earth goes with us. Where are we all going to go? We're either going to stay in a dense, dense place or we're not. And I think sometimes what's happening right now, there's kind of a splitting of the worlds a little bit. And we'll see how it all plays out. We're already on a new timeline, according to my world and where I stand, we're on a new timeline. And that just means that we're already on the timeline where the new world is being created and it is created. But it doesn't necessarily mean, the new, when I say new, it doesn't mean it's going to look a certain way. It means that we're already in an evolution as a species to live more from the consciousness of pure love. Yes. And isn't that just fantastic? It's where we inevitably will go. It's just a matter of who among us will experience that, right? Exactly. And again, it's all choice. And we're in and in a time where there are so many different factions. We have some people who are, there's also a thing that's all about transhumanism right now, which is a huge movement. And I just learned a lot about it through listening to a group of people called Thrive, Thrive.org. Um, it's that thriveon.org. Um, amazing people, but Greg Braden and their team all had this conversation several months ago all about the transhumanism movement. And I wrote an article on it based on that conversation that I listened to because I was fascinated that right now they the people that were there actually sat with the people who were doing, who are transhumanists we're spending billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars right now as we speak. And what they believe, and they're, most of these are geeks, I have to say that I, I will use that term loosely. They're people who are very computer logic, mental, they're disconnected mostly from nature. They do not value all of that. They're not real heart-centered. They're more about up here and science and, you know, there's a different vibe. And some of these people... What their theory is, is that they believe, actually believe, that if they merge human flesh with AI, you will get to be a person who's a better person. So if we're half robot and half human, we will be immortal, we will be immune to all disease, we will never, you know, we will be able to jump buildings. And they like that. They think that's cool. They think that that's the way, the, the wave of the future for humans to survive is to do that. Now, I'm not that. I'm a humanist, not a transhumanist. <laughs> so I believe in biology. And I think we already have superhuman capabilities that have just been thwarted, dampened, pushed down, forgotten. And I think it's about remembering all those good things that we don't have to do that to survive or be immortal or any of that. We can do that organically. Yes, absolutely. And back to the point about, you know, ascension, the, the biggest component is that it will only happen for people if they believe it, if they believe, if they connect with their knowing of what we're capable of and who we truly are and what we're moving into. Because if, you know, you spoke earlier of telepathy, if we don't believe in it, of course, we're not going to experience it. If It's once you know you know that it's not, these aren't far-fetched ideas. These are a part of who we are. I think it's more than the knowing. I think knowing's part of it, but I think that everybody's ascending whether they know it or not, but whether or not they choose to actually vibe 
right. and really embody and, and really live it. It's with it. But in yeah. order to do it, you have to believe it. it. If you don't believe yeah. in it, you won't. Well, you have to, like, if you hear the word ascension and you go, ooh, I don't want that, that means it's not the vibration for you. <laughs> you know, yeah, you would have to vibe with it. You'd have to have, like, if someone discussed it with someone and they suddenly went, wait a minute, you know, like, I'm curious about that. Then you would know that they were ready for that. We're all in it. But like you said, belief, or at least we'd have to have something that would help us to get conscious of it. Yeah. To be able to um, align more with it and then follow the principles of what that might be, which would be waking up to our true superhuman, whole, enlightened, wonderful beings that we are here. And it is amazing people like you, Luminessa, who are allowing people to learn about this and understand this and come into this place because you speak of it and you guide people. You're a guide, you're a fairy goddess mother to people (laughs) so that they can understand. Where I am now is I feel that we have the, the, the feminine is ascending, the masculine is ascending. And from that, we'll have new principles of masculine, what it really means to be in the feminine and the masculine. And from that, um, the work that I do is more about how can we all ascend into this new consciousness. And as an ascension coach, that just means that I help people to understand what those mean and how to learn to live on a day-to-day life. I'm all about everyday life and how we embody these qualities and principles in our day-to-day life. So we're in 3D, but we're also in 5D. And I live my life, I'm in the world, but not of it. I'm in a 3D world, right? But I live in a 5D consciousness as much as possible, which means I don't buy into all the crap. Do, what I, I, I listen, if my ego gets triggered or my what I call the slave self gets triggered, I let those feelings move through me with more transparency. I don't like go all into a whole breakdown over them anymore. I'm getting better and better at being not triggered. So my work helps women and men, if you know, to, to help them to do the same, how to be strong inside, how to connect with our source how to work with the, I call the, the higher self or the I am presence and the ascended I am self that we are, how to work with all of these things. It's called part of its theosophy and all of it, some of it's like new thought metaphysical things that I was trained with, but also some of it's the ascension teachings of theosophy. And also that's just my method I, I align with, but I've done so many traditional things and, and eclectic things that kind of weave all of everything as a fairy goddess mother, which is my real joy. <laughs> I just love it. I get to work with women mostly my fairy. Go- Although no, I will say men are welcome too. I can have fairy goddess sons and fairy goddess daughters. Um, we get to go adventuring in nature and we get to hang out, have a blast. And in that time, counseling, shared shared confidences because you're my friend and we're equal and yet if i could be of service to you in some way by supporting you in some possible area of your life that you need someone to listen to or to give feedback on or give their opinion on or anything i'm i'm able to do that because 
hey, I've been living a little longer. Most of the people I work with are in, they're younger than me. <laughs> you wouldn't want me if you were my age because I wouldn't be your fairy goddess mother. I would be your fairy goddess mother if you were younger than me. And that could be 20 years, maybe. <laughs> I think 10 years, you're, I mean, you're, if you're in your 50s, you don't need me, really. <laughs> maybe maybe if you were your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, I think would be more the age range. I would say that I, you would want a fairy goddess mother. You know, I would want a fairy goddess mother, but she'd have to be in her 80s. <laughs> so it'd be a different story. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> I think you have to look at that. But for me, it's um, I do offer fairy goddess mother mentoring and they're mentoring sessions, but actually they're adventures out into the nature. Like if you don't live close, we would have to do it via, you know, Zoom or some other way. But we could still do a journey together in some other way. We would have to be on a playful fantasy to do that. And I would be happy to create that. I think what allow what happens when I go into fairy goddess mother mode. <laughs> Um, I, my, my true, my true, um, humorist, the part of me that is so funny, the comedian, the part of me that gets to play shows up a whole lot. So for me, it's really fun for me to let it go and to be outrageous. I'm pretty outrageous. So I don't always show it that way. What? Really? I can't tell. So I just get to be more outrageous. I think that's the thing about when we get to be a certain age. I think we get to finally go, enough. I'm just going to be outrageous even more. That's, I think, a lot of who I am in some ways. You know, I get to play. Yeah. Well, it's very encouraging to know that Ascension involves fun and it's exciting. It's joyful. It's joyful. And I think I want to help every, anyone who's interested in wanting to know more about the Ascension, what it means for them, um, how can it support them in their lives right now, dealing with real life issues, what's going on on the planet right now. If you would love to have a conversation, if you'd love to just have someone to listen, if you would love to just chat and talk, I'm happy to offer just like a, an exploratory conversation about any of that to see if I'm a fit for you. And if you would like to work with me or have an adventure with me or have coaching sessions. I do, you know, offer coaching sessions and things like that and packages and da 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 da. But I'm very open to um, creating what works for each individual specifically. So I don't have a set routine. I do have a set, I have a lot of skills, but I bring them all in and we stir up the pot and then we see what works for each individual. Yeah. Wow. Well, how fantastic. Well, would people want to connect with you? And have you as a glorious fairy goddess mother or as a ascension guide, how can they find you? How can they connect with you? Well, um, you can, a number of ways. You can go to my website, which has been uh, the New Feminine Rising, which is the work I've developed for women. And on there is also a section that says work with me. And it has a description on some of the fairy goddess mother work. I have a new... Uh, page I've developed, but it's not finished yet. And I don't have the link available right now, but that will only have Ascension coaching, fairy goddess mothering on it. My website has other things, but it also has a section that says how to work with me. And in that it'll say coaching, transformational coaching or transformational sessions, which include those things. It gives you information. You can contact me through that. Um, Luminessa2013 at gmail.com is my, is one of my direct emails. You can email me. You can also um, feel free to uh, go to Instagram at uh, luminessa.injara and DM me. 
you know, send me a direct message and ask me whatever you want. Give me some contact information. We can go that way as well. Perfect. And all that information will be, all those links will be in the show notes. So we'll have those there so that people can go directly to you. And I encourage people to check out Yoni Speaks, your blog, which are just such incredible, wonderful articles about women really connecting powerfully with their sexuality and what that means and embracing themselves and what that means. It's really, uh, yes, going into what is it to be really empowered sexually and how do we really view those things and how we really embody that? You know, it's not just about great sex. It's a different quality we're talking about. We can be great in bed, but that doesn't mean we're empowered sexually necessarily. So (laughs) yeah, yeah. So anyways, I want to say thank you for the opportunity to be on your show. Thank you so much for giving me a place to speak into. Um, It's a joy. It's an honor to have you on the show, Luminessa, and to hear your concepts and your ideas. I just feel like I was illuminated. I love that you're Luminessa because I feel this whole conversation, (laughs) I felt taken, I felt ascended. I felt it got taken (laughs) to a new level and was reopened to the broader understanding that is so important to connect to because day-to-day life brings us down more to the physicality, right? It brings us back down to the 3D, which is fine. Yet, you know, it's important to have moments where we open up and recognize that what we perceive as the field of our limitations is just that it's it's what how we perceive it's not truth there's so much beyond what we perceive to be our quote-unquote reality that and that those are our limits it's time to break through those and i just love that you speak to that and you really inspire me in that way thank Thank you so much you know it's it's really true what we see is not what we get (laughs) so i mean you know there's multi-dimensions out there in the world and if you can have an open mind and a curious mind and just be willing to say yes what else is next what else can happen imagine what we could create together yes yes It's so invigorating and exciting. And I've just loved talking with you, Luminessa, about all of this. So thank you for being a guest. People will find you through your links. And I hope that you have an amazing day. Thank you again so much, Whitney. It's been lovely. Take care. You too. That wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guests. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Waken podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with others and come back for more. If anything you heard resonates, leave a review or send me an email at Whitney at womenwaken.com and check out the website, womenwaken.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day and don't forget to let your light shine and keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic.